Welcome to another episode of Clark Hill's Credit Ego to Go, Curbside Thought Leadership for Financial Services. My name is Joanne Needleman, and I am a partner at Clark Hill, as well as a member of the firm's banking and financial services practice group. My guest today is Mark Goldwine, Senior Vice President and Policy Director for the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization committed to educating the public on issues with significant fiscal policy impact. Mark guides and conducts research on a wide array of topics related to fiscal policy and federal budget. He is frequently quoted in a number of major media outlets and works regularly with members of Congress and their staffs on budget-related issues. He has conducted research for the Government Accountability Office, the World Bank, Historian's Office at the Social Security Administration, and the Institute for Governmental Studies at UC Berkeley. Mark recently authored an article titled, Canceling Student Loan Debt is is Poor Economic Stimulus, which is what we're going to talk about today. Mark, thank you so much for coming on to Credit Ego to Go. Thank you very much for having me. Um, First, can we talk a little bit about the Committee for for a Responsible Federal Budget? I really would love to hear its origin and its mission. And you you have some interesting board members, so I want to talk about that too. (laughs) Absolutely. So the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget has been around for 40 years now. And we are a completely nonpartisan group in Washington, D.C. that focuses on budget related issues. Uh, our board includes some of the leading minds from both the Democratic and Republican Party and independents actually um, focused on budget issues. And um, we're here to educate policymakers and the public on, on fiscal policy, as well as to support what we consider to be responsible budgeting. I think that's so important. It kind of gets lost in a lot of the discussions lately that I've seen. And I noticed that uh, Janice Yellen uh, sits, uh, Janet Yellen sits on your board. I assume that she will have to resign now that she has been appointed uh, or at least nominated to be the head of treasury. Uh, That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's a exciting nomination and um, I look forward to seeing how all the, how all the cabinet picks go in the coming, coming weeks. I agree. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about your article. I thought it was really interesting um, on a whole bunch of different perspectives. But I, what I really liked about it um, was two things. Number one, you took a lot of emotion out of the issue. <laughs> I know people are very emotional about student loan debt and the impact that student loan debt has uh, on borrowers. Um, but I want to kind of get from you why you wanted to do this research and ultimately write the article. Sure. Well, I mean, I think as um, is pretty widely known, there's about a trillion and a half dollars, maybe a little bit more of student debt out there. Um, And this is a a real burden for a a lot of debt holders. Um, But rather than, I, I think, work through thoughtful solutions for how we can provide targeted and appropriate debt relief, there's been increasing discussion of just canceling all the debt or having the government pay, you know, everyone's debt up to $50,000. And furthermore, there's been discussion of using that somehow as a way to um, get us out of this current recession, just to solve the COVID crisis as part of stimulus. Now, there are, I think, very important ongoing stimulus discussions happening right now. I really hope they reach a deal, you know, something that they're talking about in the $900 billion uh, level, it could do a tremendous amount of good to the economy. 
But when it comes to boosting economic growth, near-term economic activity, canceling student debt uh, just doesn't do very much, as it turns out. And why is that? I mean, you would, you know, for 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 people who are not as uh, well versed in this area, uh, lay people, you know, you yeah. think that you get rid of your debt, all's great, life goes on. Why why isn't it good stimulus? Look, so there's there's no question that getting rid of debt is good for the debt holders, um, right. but the question is, how much is it going to boost economic activity in the near term in 2020, 2021, You know, the next few years as we get the economy back to where it should be. Um, And the answer is not very much for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you cancel a trillion and a half dollars of student debt, it doesn't change people's cash flow very much. It's not the same as sending people $1.5 trillion worth of checks, because what it just all it does is it says that you don't have to pay, you know, one fifteenth or one twentieth of your student debt this year. And so um, generously, we estimate that if you cancel all one and a half trillion dollars of student debt, um, it saves households a total of about $90 billion per year. So it would take a long time to actually get that cash flow. And by the time you did, um, the economy would look very different than it does now. And we won't, hopefully won't be in this kind of recession. So that's number one is, is you get very little cash flow savings, which is what matters for near-term boost relative to the cost. But number two, the vast majority of that cash flow goes to folks that likely aren't going to spend very much of it. Um, it goes to people that have um, advanced and graduate degrees who, for the most part, um, are not really facing elevated unemployment rates. And it goes to higher earners who, for the most part, if they got a big windfall in the form of bigger uh, student debt relief, would save the money rather than spend it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what? A, let me play devil's advocate for a second, because... First, when we talk about when you hear about people saying we should cancel student debt, do they really couch it in terms of a budgetary argument or a stimulus argument, or are they really couching it in terms of some sort of moral obligation? Yeah. So I, I think there's folks that have been talking about canceling student debt for a number of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, what we wanted to do with this article was focus on a recent argument we've been hearing a lot of people say, which is that um, President-elect Biden should do it unilaterally, and he should do it fast because it will provide economic stimulus. And so while I think you're right, historically, the argument has not been about economic stimulus. Those that support debt cancellation for other reasons are now jumping on the need for stimulus and saying this is good stimulus. And our analysis just shows it isn't. Um, to, to dig into that a little bit deeper, um, if you want to know how good stimulus something is, you want to understand it's what is called multiplier. Basically, for every dollar you spend, how much do you get back in economic activity? Um, multiplier for aid to state and local governments is probably around a dollar, you know, meaning that every dollar we spend to states and localities produces a dollar of economic output. Aid to small businesses is probably closer to 50 cents. Um, mm-hmm. You know, unemployment, maybe even over a dollar, depending on how it's targeted. Uh, by our estimates, student debt cancellation, the multiplier, would be somewhere between eight and 23 cents, meaning for every dollar we spend on student loan cancellation, we're maybe going to get back less than a dime in economic output. At most, we're getting back upwards of a quarter. That's a horrible multiplier. Yeah, yeah. So what do you see as better alternatives for student loan borrowers? Because, I mean, look, as you said in the beginning of this podcast, there, there, we, there is... 
there is a crisis in that we have so many people who have real high amounts of student loan debt. Um, so what's what's the better alternative, both in the short term and the long term? I'm glad you asked it that way, because I think that we have really different needs in the short run and the long run. In the short run, what we need to do is manage the the current depressed economy. And I think the best thing we can do for the most part um, is to continue the current policy of um, forbearance, basically letting people not pay their debt. Right now, only 7% of borrowers are actually paying back their student debt because it's, um, it's being delayed and also the interest is canceled. I think we should extend that a bit longer and then we should find a way to gradually unwind it so not everybody has to you know, snap their fingers and start paying on day one. That's the near term. In the medium term, um, we need to do a much better job with what's called income-based or income-driven repayment. The, mm-hmm. There already exists a system where you can enter in a repayment schedule where give or take, you pay ten, no more than 10% of your disposable income each year towards student loans. And after a certain number of years, 15 or so, it's all forgiven. Um, on the one hand, I think we can need to get a lot more people into that kind of program. And we need to simplify because right now there's a bunch of different income-based or income-driven repayments. Yeah, um, I have but the, experience with that. It's extra- and extraordinarily complicated. It's far too complicated. In fact, uh, ideally, we should just have everybody in income-based repayment. I think that would be easiest. But if we have to do it by administrative action, you can't get everyone in, but we can get more people in. Um, now, mm-hmm. that's going to cost a lot of money. But here's the good news. Um, well, income-driven repayment is doing too little for the people that are, aren't in it. It's actually giving it a big windfall to some of the doctors, lawyers, and MBAs. You know, most student, um, 48% of all student debt is held by people with graduate degrees. Most of these horror stories you hear, people with $100,000 of debt, that's not from undergraduate. That's that's from their law degree or their MBA, generally mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, the income-based repayment rules don't really differentiate between grad- graduates and undergrads. And so I think what we can do is um, tell them, tell people that if you go to grad school, we're, we're going to give you have to take a few more years before we forgive or forgive all your debt. And that can actually save a lot of money that can be used to help uh, folks with a lot of debt that are an undergrad. And um, uh, we both the Obama administration and the Trump administration proposed versions of this in their budgets. I think we all know what we have to do. We just got to negotiate the details and then actually do it. Interesting. Well, so let me play devil's advocate again. You know, your article says we shouldn't for, you know, we we shouldn't wipe out, you know, debt. But doesn't income based repayment and and, and these plans that we just talked about really do that, but do that on the back end? Yeah. So income based repayment sort of does two things. The one is it caps how much you've got to pay in a given year. And the other is after a certain number of years, it does it does cancel the debt. But it does it on a progressive income-based payment. And by the way, it also wouldn't be very good stimulus. If the goal is to stimulate the economy, promising someone that we're going to forgive their debt in um, in 15 years isn't going to do the trick. That's not the goal. The goal here is to make sure that nobody is burdened for their entire life with student debt. If we want to do stimulus, we should focus on stimulus. And the negotiators are looking at exactly the right things. Aid to states, enhanced unemployment benefits, some support for especially restaurants um, and other struggling small businesses, possibly mm-hmm. checks. These are the right ways to stimulate the economy, not by, you know, essentially increasing everyone's wealth by $1.5 trillion in a way that's going to take them 30 years to access. That's just right. not going to boost the economy today, which is what we really need to get us out of this recession. Um, obviously, we also need to end the pandemic. 
Right. Absolutely. Now, I know that you look at these issues from a purely budgetary uh, perspective, but, you know, I have to ask, and if it's not in your wheelhouse, I completely understand. I mean, student loan debt is certainly something more than the dollar amount owed. Right. I mean, we can start with, you know, why is the cost of college that high? Why have colleges been able to, you know, why is going out and, and, and getting a loan for $30,000 a year to go to college a whole lot easier than buying, you know, a house? <laughs> so, I mean, are there other areas that you think we should be looking at to, to, to address the student loan issue? Oh, absolutely. We have to deal with this on the front end, the actual college costs. Um, mm-hmm. Again, look, there's only 6% of borrowers have six-figure debt. This is not, these horror stories are not mostly a real problem because these are mostly, again, doctors and lawyers and MBAs. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are especially a lot of folks that have, you know, 10,000, 20,000 of debt that didn't even graduate college, that maybe went to not, you know, kind of a scam school. Um, mm-hmm. So we need to deal with the low performance schools and we need to deal with the cost of, of higher education in general. Something that I worry about with blanket debt cancellation is it could actually worsen the college cost crisis because now colleges and borrowers expect another round of cancellation and they may respond by pushing up tuition more, increasing their borrowing. Um, So we do need to deal with this in the front end and that means more accountability. I also think it means finding more creative ways to get more for less, like um, looking at three-year degrees as opposed to four-year degrees, for example, um, and and holding... uh, College is accountable for poor performance and high rates of default. I think you're right. It, it, it is. It really is a holistic problem, uh, which is why I wanted you to come onto the podcast because we we like to talk about financial issues from a holistic perspective. Um, but I really appreciate it. your article was really informative, and I don't think there has been enough discussion about student loan debt cancellation from different perspectives other than, oh, we should wave a magic wand and everything will be great. And uh, so I really appreciate you took the time doing the research and uh, hope that you will continue uh, to look at this issue and provide um, some helpful solutions. So um, thank you for, for doing all that you have done. Um, Mark, before I let you go, uh, we, we do a couple of things on the podcast uh, with our guests, and I, hopefully you will uh, play along. Um, so this is a to-go theme podcast, um, and it, it's, it's a podcast that I started in the pandemic. And so I ask all my guests about their favorite um, either takeout experience or some experience that you have had uh, while you were sheltering in place. And I'm hoping you have something you can share with us. Well, uh, <laughs> over the course of the pandemic, our front yard has really become our barbershop, our, <laughs> um, you know, our, our living room. It's where we have, that's where we host guests and actually our preschool where our three-year-old with Seth, well, with, four other kids um, has classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So it's been interesting how much use we've gotten out of our front yard and how, how badly we've killed all the grass, by the way. <laughs> I bet. It's also a good way to meet your neighbors. Um, are you in DC? Uh, I, I am in the Cleveland Park neighborhood. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, that that's a wonderful story. Um, you know, I, we've all had to kind of uh, be creative in how we do and in, in how we work our lives these days. So uh, I appreciate uh, you sharing that story with us. And finally, um, on 
behalf of all of our guests who come on to the podcast, uh, Credit Eco to Go would like to make a small donation on your behalf to an organization, either locally or regionally in your area that is helping those impacted by uh, the pandemic. And I hope you have an organization that you would like to identify. Oh, I do. So there's an awesome organization in DC called Martha's Table, and they Mm -hmm. do a few things, um, um, but mainly they provide food, education, childcare, and other assistance to, to struggling children and families. And they were doing that before the pandemic, but since the pandemic started, they've really stepped it up. They've added a sort of a financial aid program where they're basically sending families checks. They've moved a lot of their food to a more delivery model so they can do it safely. Um, and they're, they're providing effectively school lunches as well for um, a lot of areas schools. So Martha's table, I definitely recommend all your listeners um, donate as much as you can to. Thank you. I really appreciate you uh, recognizing them and they sound like, do, like they do wonderful work and we'll be sure to uh, get in touch with them on your behalf. So Mark, thank you so much uh, for coming onto the podcast today and many thanks to all of our loyal Credit Eco to Go listeners for tuning in and logging on. All episodes of Credit Eco to Go can be found on Buzzsprout and Spotify. Information on our podcast can be found on my clarkhill.com bio page as well as on my LinkedIn page. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have ideas for future show topics, please email us at creditygo2go at carkill.com. Thank you. Be well and stay safe. This podcast is intended for general education and informational purposes only and should not be regarded as either legal advice or a legal opinion. You should not act upon or use this publication or any of its contents for any specific situation. Recipients are cautioned to obtain legal advice from their legal counsel with respect to any decision or course of action contemplated in a specific situation. Clark Hill PLC and its attorneys provide legal advice only after establishing an attorney-client relationship through a written attorney-client engagement agreement. This recording does not establish an attorney-client relationship with any recipient.